Mac Power Users, episode 533, Feeling Frisky With My Money. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, joined by my pal and yours, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How's it going, Stephen? It's good, David. How are you? I was uh, very excited when I saw it was time again for a feedback episode. There's a lot on my mind. I feel like I got to get off my chest. Apple keeps announcing new products. And, I know. <laughs> you know, we... Uh, We've had a lot of great feedback in the forums and the email from the listeners on some of the topics we've covered in the last few months. So I, I'm just looking forward to to doing a feedback show with the old Mac Power users. Yeah, that sounds great. And you mentioned the forums. And uh, if you haven't noticed, the last couple of weeks, we've, been, we've added the forum link right to the top of the show notes, right next to the newsletter link. So if you're not checking those out, uh, I'd encourage you to do it, especially the forums. It's really been... A busy time over there as people are at home and reconsidering their technology if they're working from home for the first time. And it's been a, a fun, uh, busy couple of weeks on the forum. And if you haven't checked it out, I really encourage you to do so. Yeah, we we absolutely, I don't know if we have the smartest hosts in Apple Podcasting, <laughs> but we definitely have the smartest listeners. And I, uh, I learned so much from the listeners over the years. And I, I'm so happy that the forums have grown into what they have. You know, just a note on that. I was the one really pushing to get us off Facebook. And a lot of people were worried that the forum would die when mm -hmm. we left Facebook. Because it was a, a very large Facebook presence. And um, it's bigger than it ever was on Facebook. And it has none of the skeeviness that we had when we were on Facebook. It's just been such a great experiment. And if anybody out there is thinking like maybe they have a company or whatever, um, this move to discourse has been absolutely fantastic for us. And I would recommend it. Yeah, it's interesting, too, as we've covered, you know, we talked about drafts recently and then just our last episode, Better Touch Tool. How many like developers and applications are hosting forums the same way we are? Because it's a really great platform. Anyways. I just wanted to point that out and uh, go check it out. Yeah. And also sign up for the newsletter. It shows up 15 minutes after the show publishes and you get all the links in your mailbox. Yeah. It's a real incentive for me to make sure I get the show up on time because like, I, I know that's coming. Um, the, the fuse is lit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, the newsletter is going to go out whether the episode's done or not. No, we, we do have some sort of ripcord, but uh, ever haven't ever had to use it. I'm very proud that we are out the same time every Sunday. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, starting with feedback, we did an episode, uh, unsurprisingly, on working from home, and there was a lot of great feedback on that episode. Um, one of my favorites was from listener Mitch, who thought it was quaint that you and I said we had a combined decade experience. He has 28 years. <laughs> I saw that. Well, I even thought about it, and then I, I thought about my parents, who have both worked for themselves as long as I've been around, right? So, like, like oh, even my yeah. parents have, like... You know, I mean, my dad in particular is probably close to 40 years experience with that. He's a contractor, so he's not working in a home office, but he's working from home or really working from his pickup truck. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 it was funny. Like, oh, yeah, it seems like a long time to us, but lots of people have been in this game a really long time. Yeah. Although I will say in my defense, Mitch, when I was even at the firm, I was essentially working for myself because yeah. I, uh, uh, you know, I just got to where I had all of my own workflows and my own automations and I had very little reliance on the rest of the team at the office. So I, uh, I feel like I've been at this a little longer, but either way, he was very complimentary of the episode. Anyway, listener Bob put a picture of his home office up and I was just thinking, 
that uh, Bob has an, an amazing office. It looks like something out of like a movie. You know, like if you saw the president's home office, I feel like that's Bob's office. <laughs> it makes me a little sad about my space. Oh man, I have more to talk about on that later. Okay. I have more to say. Uh, but they, um, but uh, there was also some really good feedback. Uh, listener Major Gear had talked about where his experience had differed from ours. Well, what, two of the big points that we made in that show was, you know, if you're working from home, there's two big advantages, more freedom and less meetings. And unfortunately for Major Gear, he has more meetings and less freedom. And by that, he means that he's apparently getting lots and lots of Zoom or other electronic related meetings. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when we recorded the episode, it was early in this process, but I am watching my wife work from home. Well, now now she's furloughed, so she's unemployed at this point. But the uh, for several weeks, she was employed. And I was amazed at the number of online meetings she was attending. And I was thinking, how do these people get any work done if they're on Zoom all day showing their dogs to everybody? <laughs> I I think that uh, Major Gear has an excellent point. I think that um, this particular circumstance where everybody is suddenly working from home, the uh, electronic meeting technologies have been overused. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine about this after I saw this feedback, and he works for a really large organization, and he said his workday is now a lot of you know video meetings that they don't use Zoom; they use some other corporate yeah. solution. Um, and I kind of thought about that. And then I realized that, yeah, I guess if you're in a, in a big organization, you have to do this because you've gotten rid of all like the things that just happen in an office, right? Like when we had office jobs, if you really were honest, we had more meetings than we thought because someone would just come by your office and talk, or you'd see somebody in the break room and talk for 10 minutes about a project. And now I guess it all has to be scheduled. So I totally see the point. I think a lot of people, a lot of people feel that way, unfortunately. Yeah, there is a technology or a system at Basecamp. You know, I use Basecamp for my legal side, and it's called automatic check-ins. And what it does is you get an automated notice once every increment of time. You know, it could be a week or a day or three weeks or whatever. And and it can it's topic specific. And I use this with some of my clients where we're working collaboratively on a project. And so you get an automatic notification, but it doesn't require a meeting. And this is the intention of this uh, from the Basecamp team was to say, you know, we have too many meetings. There's no reason for all of us to sit in a room and wait for each one of us to give their update. Instead, why don't we have this automated system and everybody can just go in and read the updates as they show up with these automatic check-ins. I think it's an excellent way to avoid meetings. So if you do find yourself with a lot of meetings, Think about that and maybe some way, you don't have to necessarily use Basecamp, but some way to make meetings that are just the check-in type meetings, turn that into a digital form, and maybe you can avoid a few of those meetings. It's good advice. The uh, The other thing he said was less freedom, and I think he was talking about all the software that gets installed on the computers, and man, I don't know what to tell you there. It, you know, corporate <laughs> IT, man. It's oh, like, I know. Uh, they, they, because there's so much they can do, there's just too much that they do. And that's, I know that's not true for everyone. I've met some IT people who actually really work hard to not be invasive on employees, to, you know, keep the systems running without making the employees feeling like they're being treated like three-year-olds. And, uh, you know, and so I really think there's, there's two camps there. And there's, I think the good IT people who, who do try to do this fairly and then there's other people like well i've got these tools so i'm gonna know everything you do i'm gonna know how many times you hit the space bar 
you know, in the last 15 hours. It's just crazy what they can learn with some of this software. Mm -hmm. And I think we touched on it in the episode, but I think some, some people or some corporations or, or organizations with everyone working from home, it feels like people feel like they have to be available the whole, the whole time, you know, from, from eight to five. And maybe that's a little bit different than when you're in the office and, you know, everyone kind of understands you get a break. Like my last job, uh, I worked in this, not really high, is as close as close to a high rise as we have in Memphis. You know, it's like 12 stories tall. And that's a high rise. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the people in New York are, are rolling their eyes at me, but I know we yeah. would, uh, we would a bathroom in New York. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we would, uh, there was um like a convenience store type little grocery store across the street. And a couple of times a day, people would just wander over there and get something to drink or get a snack or, you know, they had a deli and it is, you weren't chained, you know, to the desk from nine to five. And I think a lot of people feel like they, they need to be accessible like that when they're working from home to like prove they're actually doing it, which I understand, especially if your organization isn't used to this, maybe there's like some sort of increased, uh, you know, feeling of needing to just to be hyper quick and responding and those sorts of things. And it takes a little time for organizations to settle in to working from home. And, and all this doesn't even touch the fact that many people like, like my, my wife, who's a teacher, even though school's out for the rest of the year, uh, they're still doing online stuff. Right. And as a teacher, she's doing some stuff with her kids and like our family kids who are doing their own homeschooling. So a lot of people, working from home is not their only responsibility and it's definitely can be stressful and, and worrisome and uh, a lot to deal with, but it can, it can really be good too, if you can get all that stuff in balance. Yeah. I, in fact, there was a lot of discussion, discussion around those topics. One of the discussion threads in the show notes on this one was uh, employers telling employees, you have to earn the right to work from home hmm. and the whole thing. It just, you know, I've been in situations like that before and I'm not anymore. And I just have so much sympathy for people that work for people that treat them that way. Yeah. It's a real bummer. That's yeah. really terrible. Yeah. And I, I do believe that you can actually be more productive from home. At least I know I am mm-hmm. uh, back, back when I even was at the office, I would stay home on days and always get more work done just because I had fewer interruptions and nonsense discussions Sure. But the um, I feel like as an employer, you either trust them or you don't. And if you don't, why did you hire them? Yeah, man, it is. Uh, it's a wild time out there. Um, one tool that a lot of people are using that we talked about on that episode is Zoom, the video conferencing yeah. app. And so, if you listen to that episode, I recorded basically like the day before the episode went out, just a little note of saying, Hey, in the time between our recording and the release, some more security stuff has come to light. And we're not going to get into all those stories on this episode. I think they're really well covered elsewhere. And I kind of wanted David to gauge your temperature on zoom at this point. We've seen them deal with a bunch of issues. Uh, I, I at least will give their CEO a lot of credit where he is seemingly pretty transparent and open. He's emailing customers. He's blogging about these changes they're, they're making how does that all land with you? Yeah, you know, I was talking to you about this before the show started. It's like, is Zoom sloppy or creepy? Mm-hmm. You know, and I fall generally on the side of sloppy. I, I feel like that they grew very quickly. I mean, they didn't know the pandemic was coming in. Much of the world would be running on their software. And 
all of the problems that you may have seen with a slow growth to that size got, you know, got handed to them in a few weeks. And I, with you, I feel like they've been upfront about it. I, I think about companies and like, I am not a fan of Facebook. We talked about earlier how eager I was to get the show off Facebook with the forum. They do things that feel creepy to me. And I understand that they make a lot of money and that the way they make money is, you know, doing sometimes, I guess for lack of a better word, creepy things. Um, I don't feel that way about Zoom and maybe I'm wrong. And uh, I know this is very hippie, dippy stuff, but it, I'm willing to give Zoom a chance because it seems like they're trying to do the right thing, even though they keep doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm being too easy on them. Uh, but the uh, and, and I do use other video conferencing software. I mean, I'm not hell bent on it, but I will tell you, like, I'm going to do these um, free seminars for the field guide customers, and I am working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet, but you know, the whole world got turned upside down on me. Um, but I'm going to be doing it through Zoom. I signed up for it. I looked at all the available products. And Zoom seemed like the one that was like in my price range and was reliable. And I've talked to several people that that do similar, similar small seminars, and they use the same software. So I I signed up for Zoom. I didn't, you know, I didn't distrust them so much that I wasn't willing to give them money. So I guess I fall on the side of sloppy or creepy, or maybe just their their growth was too fast. Yeah, it's been interesting to to watch this unfold in my life, where my kids were using Zoom for a lot of school stuff. And the school district said, uh, no, we're not going to do that. You're gonna, we're going to use Microsoft Teams instead. Students already have email addresses and stuff through Microsoft. So it was just – they turned it on, and, and now people are using that. And the kids don't seem to notice the difference, but I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of big organizations are backing away from Zoom. And, you know, uh, corporations, it's their – you know, corporate IT is their job to be conservative about these things. So I understand that, but – I'm with you. I'm I'm still using it. I have uh, a call this evening with some people over Zoom. And, you know, you do the things we spoke about in the episode. You set a password. You set up uh, where, you know, not just anyone can join. A lot of people whose Zoom meetings have been uh, Zoom bombed is the word. Other people show up. It's because you just, like, put a link on Facebook of, hey, we're going to meet at this time. And for some things, that's the only way you, you can do it right. But if you can take those couple of... T- those couple of steps, those couple of options, when you set up a meeting, you'll be a lot safer. Yeah. And also just on the general topic, and maybe this goes beyond working from home, but just, you know, you know, being locked up in a pandemic, uh, I have been using Zoom and, um, and FaceTime and all these technologies just a lot more than I had in the past. And I find it kind of fascinating, the, the social experiment going on where people are all just considering uh, video calls as an option. Mm-hmm. And just the other day I was on the phone with a, uh, you know, JF Brissett. He's been a guest on the show. He, um, he helps me with some of the work on the field guides. He's in Vegas. I'm in Southern California. We got on a video call together just to talk about some work he's doing with me. And we never would have done that six months ago. On Easter, we uh, we did an extended call with my extended family outside of the state and in the state. People that never would have come to my house on Easter any other time. And we had a really good time talking to a bunch of people we don't see very often. And I wonder when the dust settles and the world, you know, gets out of this mess, if this is going to continue to be a thing. 
have thought about that too. I've got family members that are doing FaceTime or Google Duo for the first time ever, right? Like my dad has first FaceTime call <laughs> with the kids. And uh, I could see that becoming uh, more of a regular thing as people get get more used to it. I, I hope it I hope it is because video calls are great. And uh, even myself, you know, I didn't use them a ton before, but hopefully that continues to be a thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like them too. I remember when they were a promise in the future, you know, and there would all the, always be these future technology things or even like um, at Epcot Center um, years ago when, I forget what they called the, the big ball mission, Spaceship Earth, I think they called it. One of the, you know, top demonstrations was these two people uh, essentially FaceTime calling each other. When I was a kid, I remember writing that saying, oh, that's cool. And it's been available to us for years now and rarely used, but it seems like it, it's changing. So that's good. Hmm. But uh, working from home, any other uh, insight from you after doing more of this? I really just keep thinking about what I said on that episode, that if you can find boundaries, if you can find a space to work that is just work, and that, that can be hard if you're living with other people or, or in an apartment or something. But just having some separation is the most important thing for me in all of this. And it has continued to to prove true for me that I'm still working in the studio. I'm not working in the house. And that has been uh, a good thing recently. Yeah. And the thing that sticks with me is just the idea of deliverables over time. I think when you go to an office, time is such a focus. People keep track of when you get there and when you leave, even if they say they don't, they do. Whereas when you're working from home, the only metric to judge you by is deliverables. You know, do you get the work done? Mm -hmm. And that gives you a tremendous, I do think it gives you a bunch of freedom. I know that, you know, major gear had problems with it, but the, um, but try and take advantage of that freedom, find a way to make those deliverables, but live your life under your own terms. I mean, why not? This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox, the email system that honestly saves me untold number of hours a month. You can learn more at samebox.com slash MPU, where you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. So here's how SaneBox works. It's not an email application you have to use. You don't have to change your hosting for your email. It works with whatever you're using already. And all it does is it applies great email filtering to your email setup. You get a bunch of folders in your account and they all have different special superpowers. So Sane Later will collect emails that aren't important right now, keeping your inbox clear and keeping only things that you really need to see in your inbox. There is the Sane black hole. Look, we all get emails and then we hit the unsubscribe button as it doesn't do anything and we're still stuck on the list. With Sane black hole, you just drag that message into that folder and you will never hear from that sender again. Uh, There's snoozing and reminders as well. So if you want to have an email show back up at the beginning of next week, or, and I, I use this one all the time, if I email somebody, I need to hear back from a certain date. You know, in the past, I would have gone to my task manager and, and made a task to follow up with so-and-so and then find the email. But with SameBox, I can simply carbon copy something like one week at samebox.com. And if I don't get a reply, a week later, SameBox is going to remind me about that email. It's super useful. It's way more than filtering, though. You can move attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services. Lots of great features. There are several different plans. They start as low as about $4 a month, and there's a 14-day free trial. So you can check this out for yourself at samebox.com mpu. 
Two-thirds of MPU listeners who try SameBox end up subscribing, so I bet you're going to love it. Head on over to samebox.com MPU to receive a $25 credit on any plan. Our thanks to SameBox for their support of the show and keeping our email under control. Steven, I've been thinking a lot about connected cameras. Okay. The, um, it's been a sticking point for me. As much as I like HomeKit and I like the idea of having everything in HomeKit, it has just not really been working out. Um, um, and just a, as a little background, my family is now trained to use HomeKit. You know, they go there to turn on the air conditioning and turn on the lights, and we can even unlock one of the doors with HomeKit. So, and it's worked out really well because as many problems as I have with the HomeKit interface, it's understandable enough that my non-nerd family has no issues getting into it and, and doing home automation stuff. So, of course, I'd like the camera system to be there as well. But I've just been struggling, and I, I spent more money in the last month. I thought I should I should confess and bring the listeners up to date on where this all stands. What have you done? Well, it, I haven't spent that much money. But the um, I, I guess I should kind of give some background. So there's a system called Canary. And they were a Kickstarter project that I backed years ago. It's a single unit camera that plugs into the wall mm-hmm. and they have an online backup system. I think for free, it's like five or seven days. They, they've changed their model recently. So I don't remember exactly, but the, in addition to having a camera, it has a microphone, a speaker and an alarm in it. So you can actually have it go off as a home security alarm. You know, the idea of it was, this is perfect. If you own an apartment, you put it on the table in the corner and it's got, you know, coverage. So I bought that years ago and I was generally happy with it. And, and this is another one the family gets. It's got an app and it works. But I wanted to go and they promised HomeKit integration like three or four years ago. Say, it's been a while now. Yeah. They had a post about it and then they just went radio silent on it. And for whatever reason, that just has never happened. And I kept waiting, thinking it was going to happen. So last year, I, I got thinking, okay, I really want to go with the home kit. And I've been watching for these Logicircle cameras, which is the one that Wirecutter and everybody says is the best, you know, home kit and uh, you know, home camera system. Yeah, I've tried it, but they're expensive. I mean, they're like a couple hundred bucks for one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I was watching and found a sale on Amazon. I bought one as an experiment, and it works okay but I don't feel like it's great. And um, they did get the home kit integration, but it's a one way street. When you do it, it like fundamentally changes the hardware. I think it's like a massive project to unwind that. Yeah. It is, there's a firmware update that adds the home kit capability and you can roll it back, but it is, you fight contact Logitech support and go through it all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a, it's a one way street. And that means that the app, the camera isn't even seen the Logitech app anymore. It's all controlled through HomeKit. Yeah, and so the camera uh, takes good video. I mean, I think the sharpness of the video, and uh, and it looks good. Uh, the mounting system is good. The one I bought is wired. You have to have power to it. Okay. Um, but, it um, b- but it hasn't been particularly reliable as part of the HomeKit ecosystem. And I, I don't know if this is on Logitech or on Apple, but because Logitech made it a one-way street, I kind of blame them a little bit. Um, but what happens is I own HomeKit, open HomeKit, and sometimes it shows up, and sometimes it says not connected or unavailable. And for a $200 camera, that's not good enough. Yeah. So at this point, I've 
taken that camera and it's pointing at the dog crate. So when I wake up in the morning, I can see if she's still asleep, if I can sleep in a little bit, um, but, you know, and, and we, you know, we've got kind of the, the kids, same thing, you know, we have take turns cause it's a puppy and it's a lot of attention. Uh, so it, it's okay. But I, you know, when I first bought it, I thought, man, if this is really the thing, if this is really great, I'm going to get more of these and I'm going to really do this right. Instead of the canary system, it's all going to be tied. And I was, I was still on the WWDC high of HomeKit secure video. Oh boy. Yep. Let's just talk about that a little bit. I'm not sure all the listeners are up on that. Last year, Apple announced this new uh, thing they're going to do where if you have a HomeKit connected camera and it is only certain cameras that'll do this, um, they, Apple will store video for you. Uh, I believe, was it 10 days yeah, I'm looking in their support document now. It looks like it is looks like it is 10 days maybe. But it's it's the the trick is it's in your iCloud store, just not being uploaded to yeah. you know some third party thing. I mean, Apple has access to it because it's on your iCloud plan, but it's it's all encrypted, but you're not sending it to Logitech or Google or somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, it was really a great way to describe it so it's stored in your iCloud but it doesn't count against your iCloud data so if you have an iCloud as long as you have I think a paid iCloud account you get this storage and you know it is a little creepy thinking like the people at Canary have a camera in my house you know and granted I have it turned off when I'm home Mm -hmm. but at the same time people at Canary have a server that collects video from a camera in my house so, you know, I've never been really that happy. And all these third parties, you wor- kind of worry about that a little bit. Um, how vulnerable are they to hackers and whatnot? So Apple coming in and saying, look, we're going to take care of this for you. We're not a crazy third party. We're a billion-dollar company, and we're going to store it for you, and you can go get it. And we're not going to charge you a monthly fee. So you get a camera that's connected to this secure video system that we set up. And um, you'll see it in your HomeKit app, so you don't have to go to a third-party app. The video gets stored, and you don't have to pay for it. So it's like kind of the perfect solution. The problem with that is a lot of these companies make their living on selling you their own video storage. You know, like I do pay Canary uh, because once I lost faith in this Logicircle camera to stay connected... I just logged into Amazon one day and they had this massive sale on Canary cameras. It was like, I think it was like 30 or $40 for the, the standard camera. So I bought a couple more mm-hmm. and I've got them um, elsewhere in the house. So I've got good coverage inside the house. I also, when they had that sale, I bought one of the Canary battery powered outdoor cams. Because Canary makes one that is on a battery that you can stick outside your front door or, you know, in, on your garage or whatever. And it's it's wireless. You plug it in. And then when you set it out, in theory, it works. And I found that did not work worth a damn. It worked good for like the first two charging cycles and then it stopped. And the charging cycles were only a couple of weeks. And it got way too many false positives. My wife, like, we have a flag outside our front door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife loves, we change, you know, the seasons and birthdays and whatever. We have a flag hanging by our house. Sure. That thing, that thing was killing the canary battery like crazy. <laughs> oh, I bet. Every time yeah. it, it flutters in the wind, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. I got somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really, the the um, canary wireless was kind of useless. So I, I was sitting here two or three weeks ago 
thinking, okay, well, I've got some coverage in the house, the outdoor, I don't know what I'm going to do with yet. And I'm just going to wait until Apple sorts out the secure home kit stuff. And then, you know, I was on Amazon and of course I saw another, Amazon has figured me out enough, right? They said, Hey, guess what? We've got these uh, Ufi cameras. We'll sell you a whole kit. It was like 120 bucks. You've got the base station and two wireless cameras. Eufy is another product based on the Anchor company. Anchor is the company behind Eufy, E-U-F-Y. Okay. I like Anchor. I generally think their stuff works. Yeah. And I, I was feeling, uh, you know, frisky with my money. So I'm like, hey, what if I just threw 130 bucks at this just, just for the hell of it? Let's see what happens. And so I did. I ordered it with the intention of sending it back. I wasn't going to be a sucker like I was for that Canary Outdoor camera. I got stuck with that one. So I bought these, and uh, the Eufy system is interesting, too. They want to work with Apple Secure HomeKit Video. They've already said they will. The base station already connects to HomeKit, so I can see these cameras in HomeKit. And they, uh, they also have a very good app, and these cameras promised a six-month battery. I got the Eufy 2 cameras. So I charge them up. I put them outside. They look great. They have human recognition that is working. The flag doesn't trigger it, but every time somebody drops something off, it does. Okay. Or you know, we, I, I walk out the front door, I see video of the back of my head. Um, so it seems to be working pretty good. And I kind of like it. It's another third-party app and you know all that. But it, it's kind of an interesting system because they have storage locally. You don't pay online. It doesn't get uploaded to the cloud. It comes the base station kind of looks like a um, an airport, you know, one of the those tower airports, maybe a little smaller. Sure. It's got 16 gigabytes of memory in it. It's not swappable. You can't stick a, an SD card in it. I wish you could. Um, but it stores the video there and just keeps track of the memory for you. And once it fills up, it starts, you know, dropping the older stuff out of it. So you've got the video stored at your house, not online. I believe there's a cloud service I can look into, but I, I'm not going to do that. And it's been working pretty good. But, you know, the net result is now I have cameras from three manufacturers in my house, two of which work with HomeKit. <laughs> it's just not really a fully acceptable situation, right? That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot yeah, of I stuff know. going on. I know, man. It's crazy. How is the HomeKit Secure video... Uh, so are are you using that at all at this point? Well, I, I was never able to really get it to work with the Logic Circle. Okay, because that was that was my experience. I tried it back in 2019 with the Logitech Circle cameras, and it was a nightmare. And so I I didn't know if that had gotten better. I, I still have that camera because uh, I neglected to send it back before it was yeah. uh, <laughs> before it was time. Yeah, so I want to revisit that. But I had not heard of this brand, uh, the Eufy cameras. I do like that it stores the stuff in the house. That That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it's great. And they, they have additional cameras. Like they have one that has the spotlights on it. You know, yeah. like where you got the outdoor spotlights. They've got one with the camera on it. And that also has local storage. That is storage inside the spotlight itself. I believe they've got a four gigabyte card inside that. So I guess if the crook came and ripped the light off the side of your house, they'd take the the camera footage with them. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I guess I wouldn't you know guard Fort Knox with it, but but at the same time, it's super convenient, right, to have you know a camera built into one of those outdoor lights, those motion sensing lights. I wonder if they did the storage 
on the camera because it's outside and some people's Wi-Fi may be kind of uh, cruddy out there. And it's like, oh, we'll yeah. just store it locally and then we just send you a stream, which is less data. Although with the other cameras, the storage is on the inside of the house and it works fine. Yeah. So hmm. they seem to have it solved. I, I don't know enough. I don't know if they have like their own bandwidth or anything like that. But but so I'm getting like with the with the Logis Circle camera, I get the whole HomeKit secure video options with it. When I go into the settings for the Eufy cameras, even though I can get the live view inside of my Home uh, HomeKit app, I don't get the options for secure video. So my guess is it's not quite there yet. Yeah. And it's a six month battery and I've had it up about a month and I'm at 58%. So there you go. Six months. I don't think you're going to make it. (laughs) No, I don't either. Uh, But, but I also think with the Canary camera, it was like, I think it was supposed to be 30 days and it lasted like 10. So yeah, I had a Canary along for a long time. I had the plugged in in my office, the wire, you know, so I didn't have any experience with the the battery deal. Uh, the reason I moved away from that though was at the time at least the notifications were really slow, and so like I could walk in my office and be in here for like sometimes like thirty seconds before I got a notification that someone had come in. It's like that's way too long. I want something that's that's faster than that. So I, I retired the Canary at that point. What are you using now? So I am super deep into the Nest ecosystem it started with a thermostat years ago and added a couple of cameras now i have several both inside and out and i don't love that it's like a google product right like i i I trust google and nest over like a company that is way smaller kind of the same reason you said with apple that a big company is more likely to get it right hopefully but the thing is i've got i've got several of them now and so to change over to something would be a pretty big investment. And honestly, I don't know what I would change over to. I would like to use the Logitech with HomeKit secure video. And maybe when that's fully baked, like the problems I was having is that you would set settings for it and the settings wouldn't save. So I would tell it, hey, only alert me when I'm away if there's motion. And then it would alert me to motion all the time. Or the motions with sensitivity was ridiculous. Like if you have a single mosquito fly by the camera, it would go off. It's like, Come on, like let's use some some common sense here. That may be better now. Uh, I'm interested to see if people in the forums have better experience with this because I haven't revisited it. Um, but I'm I'm all in on Nest, and the cameras are really are really nice. Uh, the outdoor, all of mine are. I th- actually think all Nest cameras require a plug. So there's I don't I at least don't have any any battery powered stuff. I don't think Nest makes any battery powered cameras. And uh, I've got a couple that are outside. I've got one that is outside, like in direct sun and rain. It's been there for years and has been has been rock solid. So I've been really happy with them. So if you're starting from zero, I don't really know like what I would recommend. I mean, a lot of people use and like Ring. I've got family members that use Ring, and it, it is really cool that you can do like window sensors and motion sensors, and you can build up your your whole system. But they've had a pretty hit or miss, if not security issues definitely privacy issues and a lot of people are uncomfortable with some of the things they do i haven't read much into that so that's kind of as far as i can speak to it but you know i think it's kind of a i think it's still kind of a messy area of consumer electronics i I just wish apple had when they decided to do the home kit secure video i wish they had picked like a preferred vendor 
And Logitech, honestly, would have been perfect. They do the keyboards with Logitech. You know they have these relationships. But just to really come out with a rock-solid product that works with HomeKit Secure Video, and they know they're selling to Apple people, they can charge a little extra, we're willing to pay for convenience and ease of use, and just something that worked. And I, I thought the Logic Circle was going to be that, and honestly, it just really hasn't been. I, I was just looking while you were just talking a moment ago, and it can't connect. I can't see the dog crate right now. And I don't know why, because it worked this morning at 5.30. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so for whatever reason, it's decided, no, I'm not going to work right now. And and uh, that that just can't be with a, you know, a video system. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really have the solution. I, what I will say, though, is I have been generally impressed with these UFIs, and they aren't that expensive. If you want to play with this stuff, I would recommend this is one maybe worth taking a look at. I really do like that the footage stays local. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Smart, you know, and it seems like the perfect business model to work with Apple Secure Home Video because they're not making money on upselling me to buy their subscription. Yeah. So why don't they make it really work with Apple Secure Home Kit Video? Yeah. I mean, hopefully that would be something that they could do. They could have an option if you want to do that. Yeah. Um, Ness sent an email out to customers a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, there's a lot more internet traffic because a lot of people are at home and they were going to be downgrading the quality of the video. I have one 4k Nest camera. All my others are 1080 and sure enough, I went into the app and they were all downgraded and I upgraded a couple of them back to 1080, like especially the one looking at the front of the house. But it is, uh, when you have something, you know, streaming multiple cameras, you got to have a good internet connection for it yeah. too. Right. That's a, another thing to consider. If, if you're, in a location where it's hard to get good upload speeds, some of these products are going to really struggle to work because they send the video off to a server and that may be something where the cameras you found could be a nice alternative because it seems like they're not sending data anywhere. It's just across your local network. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it, but I'm not happy with the fact that I have three separate camera systems. Yeah, yeah that doesn't I, seem I do. tenable. <laughs> I mean, if I was to do it over again, I would probably, Yuffie makes indoor cameras too. Actually, if I... <laughs> I'm just, I just want to wait until there's a good home kit solution really. And there's just not, it's not here yet. I've I've bought these because they've been on sale and whatever. And I wanted to experiment, but Mm -hmm. I don't really think I've got the right solution yet. Yeah. Well, I think hopefully that improves, you know, home kit stuff always takes a little while to get going. And, you know, maybe this time next year, there'll be some really good options on the market. Yeah. I, I am a little disappointed in Apple because this, this was a big announcement it last, um, you know, last WWDC last June, and here we are now. We're recording in April, and they uh, they really haven't delivered on the promise with that for whatever reason. Yeah. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus from the Omni Group. OmniFocus is the app I use to capture, manage, and complete my tasks and projects. One of my favorite reasons for my using OmniFocus is the review tools. You know the idea that you have all these projects, but you don't review them? That's crazy. OmniFocus solves that for you. With OmniFocus, you can assign a specific review frequency to each project. For some active projects, I use the frequency of once a week because I want to really stay on top of them. For less active projects, it may be once every six months. Regardless, this system builds in an easy way for me to stay on top of projects that may otherwise fall through the cracks. So, I don't make those mistakes. The trick is at least once a week to take a look at all the projects that are due for review. 
and it just works. Once I uh, take a look at the projects, I often find things I can update, revise, or even kill. That's the best part. When you're doing a review and you're like, oh, I don't need this project anymore. It's like Game of Thrones, but for projects. Every week, something must die. I love having these powerful review tools in my task manager, and it's saved my bacon many times. So over the years, the team at Omni Group has made this feature even more powerful, and it's easy to use on all the platforms. You can do a review on your iPhone or on your 27-inch Mac or anything in between. My weapon of choice for this is the iPad. It's a great way to do reviews. Anyway, so you get some tea, you sit down, you do your review. Uh, uh, either way, if you've got OmniFocus installed, start using the review process now. You'll be surprised how powerful it is and how much better you feel once you have a regular review practice. It's like peace of mind. So if you don't have OmniFocus, you can download a free trial over at theomnigroup.com. Check it out. Learn why we love it and start using the review process. The Omni Group sweats the details and this is just one of the many features that you'll love. Thank you, Omni Group, for your support of the Mac Power Users. So we had asked listeners to help us name my office because yes. it didn't really have a yeah. name. And almost by, I think, unanimous consent, it seems like Mac Shack is going to be the name. Yeah. Are you good? Is that it? Yeah. I like it. All right. Mac Shack. I, I wanted to give you veto power, but at the same time, if you, if you didn't pick the listener's name, I was going to be a little sad. It was, it, there was so much support for that name. I felt like even if I wanted to override it, that maybe it would have been a, a bad idea. <laughs> I think we need to, now we need to make you a a, a label. I mean, we got to have, mm. got to say Mac Shack on the building somewhere. Wow. Maybe not the outside of the building, but yeah, I, I could do something oh, like inside. over the door. In, no, yeah. no. <laughs> maybe inside the building. <laughs> inside somewhere. All right. Well, I'm going to think about that. Okay. If I get my wood shop spun up, I'd make you a sign. But Perfect. Right uh, now, there's a lot of stuff in my garage, so <laughs> I don't know. It's time to spring clean out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, your office, you did a video this morning as we record that I want everyone to watch because it is amazing. Uh, <laughs> Steven connected all his old monitors to his Mac Pro. It, yeah, it was an adventure. I'll talk a little bit about how I made that video because it's it's a little bit um, it's a little bit different than normal. And then maybe we can talk about changes to your office because you've got some stuff sure. going on too. Um, yeah, yeah this, this video came up uh, on connected and with a friend of mine uh, here here locally about wondering if if a old studio display could be driven by a Mac Pro and. Uh, so I found a studio display that I had in my attic, uh, but then I realized that I had several other Apple displays on hand. And so it became one of those things of, well, now I'm just going to hook up like all three and uh, use a bunch of adapters and get it all going. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. The, the Franken dongle. Yeah, boy. The aluminum one has had Firewire pass through on the back. And so I had to drive the video and the USB and Firewire, which was like a lot of stuff. And then the studio display used uh, this old video connector called ADC, which had USB power and video. Had the separate breakout box to get out to DVI. It's like the size of an Apple TV. It's humongous. Uh, but yeah. it, all, it all worked. Yeah. So watch the video. And now you're going to keep those connected? <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, no, because they're all extremely low resolution now. Like yeah. <laughs> 1024 by 768 at 17 inches is not good. Yeah. Uh, 
but I was like, oh, it is kind of nice to have some more room. Uh, but my desk is really is really too small for a second display of any size. I mean, it's I forget how wide it is, but it's not very big. And uh, I don't I couldn't comfortably put another display on this without really kind of radically changing how my desk is laid out. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you said in passing a moment ago was that you had the display in your attic. So uh-huh. I realized now the, the Mac Shack is not the only place that Macs get stored at the Hackett residence. No, no, there's there's some in the attic as well. Um, I think there's an X-Serve in the hall closet, maybe. It's the only place I could put it. Mary is a very generous woman. She's very forgiving. <laughs> uh, she is very forgiving. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about how I did this video because it is uh, it is really different from how I've shot videos before. So uh, if you'll permit me, I'll sort of explain the workflow I yeah. had and then how I sure. changed it. I always script, almost always script my videos. There've been a couple that have just been like me talking. Um, so I write them in Apple notes and sometimes they're just bullet points or they're full sentences. If there's a certain way I want to say something and then I hit record and I just talk uh, with that outline in my head and that works okay. But it led to me doing a lot of takes and that ended up being frustrating and really time consuming where I'd be saying the same thing over and over and like editing it, editing it together. And uh, I kind of realized um, a while ago that, that this, for me to keep making videos, even at a greater pace than I am now, something would need to change about that, that I would need a system that was, that would allow me to shoot the air roll. So of me talking to the camera for that to be faster and to be yeah. more reliable and less frustrating. So uh, my buddy Quinn Nelson, who I uh, co-host a podcast called Flashback, uh, he's a YouTuber full-time and talking with him about, hey, what should I what should I do about this? Like, I find this really frustrating. What do you do? And um, so he, he basically was like, well, I use a teleprompter for a lot of stuff. And I had explored this a couple of years ago, but didn't really ever m- move into it. But he gave me some suggestions. I've got the the prompter itself. Uh, I have a link to that in the show notes. It's the most expensive, cheapest thing I've ever bought. It feels like it should cost $14, but it's like $350 or something. It's expensive. And it you can mount it on rails or on a tripod in front of your camera. You put an iPad in it and you shoot through the mirror. So you, basically, you're looking right in the lens and you can see the text as it goes by. What's nice about this is I can write a script, and I know I'll say verbatim what I wrote, which yeah. is one reason I was doing so many takes before, because I'd get out of order, I'd forget something, or there'd be a joke I'd want to say, or, or a turn of phrase, and I would just miss it. I did this video in two takes. Uh, there was one before I was rolling, just to make sure I, I liked what I'd written out loud, and then I hit record, and I did it. I did it in two takes, which is massively faster than I ever had before, which was fantastic. Now, how did you do? Cause I've, I've experimented with it. I mean, for my screencast, I can talk about that in a minute. I don't need a teleprompter, but for working with a, you know, man looking at the video, uh, I can see the advantage of it, but every software I've ever tried, it goes too fast or too slow, or it doesn't pace to my voice. Yeah. How did you solve that problem? So again, this was a suggestion from Quinn, uh, an app called Prompt Smart. Uh, it runs on iOS and Android. I have it on iPad Mini, and you I just pasted my script in from Apple Notes, and it will listen to your voice and 
and scroll the text as you're speaking. Now it's not perfect. There was there was one section on both of my takes where it skipped forward a couple of lines because I had similar wording and it got a little confused. But all in all, it worked pretty well. And there's an there's a companion iPhone app. So you could have the iPhone out of frame and scroll with the iPhone. You know, if your hands are out of frame, you could have your phone like on your leg or something and scroll manually if you want to. It worked really well for me other than those those two lines where it sort of got confused. And the, the trick is to to make the text really big and really narrow so you don't see your eyes reading text, right? So the viewer doesn't see the text at all. It's invisible to the camera. But if it's too wide or too small, you will see your eyes, you know, bouncing from right to left as the text goes by. And so with an iPad mini, it's already really small. I made the text really big. I made the margins really big. So in, in some cases, it was a single word per line. But if you watch this video, there may be one little frame where you can see me uh, move my eyes. But the rest of the time, if I feel like it looks really natural. And so it, it takes some practice. I did several runs of this. Uh, I think I did the uh, the Gettysburg Address something. It has some example scripts in it when you download the app. And so I set it all up you know, last week sometime and, and walked through this practicing it and uh, it still isn't a hundred percent natural. Like I, I think it's going to take several videos till I feel good about this, but so far I think it's really promising. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell, I, I do feel like your, your, uh, your face in the camera video section of this was better than normal. Yeah. And because there is an underlying stress, I find that myself whenever I shoot the video like that for the field guys, I don't have a teleprompting system and I get nervous that I'm going to forget something, even though mm-hmm. I've got an outline in front of me. So yeah, I think this is great. I'm I'm going to play with this too. There's a future field guide I'm going to work on that's going to have a lot more time of me looking at a camera. Yeah. And I think I really do need to get this sorted out between yeah. now and then. And I use the teleprompter because I want the words to be in front of the glass. And so this yeah. is set up at like a 45 degree angle with the iPad being reflected in a mirror. And you sh- you basically put it right in front of your lens. And so the the lens is right behind the words. Now to practice this, you could just put this on an iPad and just practice it to see if it's something you're comfortable with before you were to invest in a teleprompter, you know, rig as it were. But so far, I think this is really going to really be good. I'm very happy with this video, uh, partially because I feel like the, the speaking to camera bits went so well. I'm a little confused, and this is because I've never worked with a teleprompter before. The words are in front of the lens? Yeah, so the 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 camera lens is right at the back of the mirror. And the iPad is beneath it, shining up on the mirror. So you look in the mirror, the lens is behind the mirror, the words are below, so it's all reflected. And the okay. camera doesn't see the mirror, doesn't see the words, but you can see the words as the as the human being. Gotcha. Nice. I may be asking you more about this in the near future. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think if you do a lot of video and this works with the type of content that you make, it can really speed things up. Yeah. Uh, the advantage of screencasting is nobody sees your face when you're recording those. Yeah. And I, I don't script them at all. I outline it, but I spend a lot of time on the outline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I know exactly what I'm going to cover and there's a whole bunch of, maybe someday we'll have to cover that. I don't know how interested people are, but there's a, there's a whole bunch of tricks to that too. I will say too, before we, uh, before we move on from this, uh, going back to the video for a second, I was really impressed with the ability to, 
hook up a Thunderbolt 3 computer to stuff that's like 20 years old. Like yeah. we complain about video adapters and stuff and USB adapters, but it keeps old things alive. And it's sort of given me a new found respect for what Thunderbolt can do. Yeah. And some of them, you had two or three adapters in the line to get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were several uh, several times where even just getting video from Thunderbolt 3 to DVI needed two of them. And then if you need USB or FireWire or something else, it gets a little out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you did it, though, man. I love it. It was it was a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, it's just uh, some fun, like, doesn't really mean, like, it do- I think I said in the video, like, this doesn't really matter, right? It's just something fun to do. And, and I had fun making it. And hopefully people have fun watching it. Yeah, I think there's very few people that will actually take a multi-thousand dollar Mac Pro and connect it to a 20-year-old monitor. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> but I like the fact that you've proven that you can. But you can, yeah. That's what, that's what matters. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks. Uh, if you're self-employed or you're a freelancer, time is everything. And if you want to save a bunch of time, check out FreshBooks. Their super simple cloud accounting software is, it's just fantastic. I run my business on it and it simplifies so many tasks. Of course, I got to send invoices and they track expenses, but it helps me get paid online because you can just, someone just click on the invoice and pay you right there. It has drastically reduced the time uh, for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork, including me. There's this great notification center in FreshBooks, so you always know what's changed in your business since you logged in last. So instead of having to look at invoices and expenses and all these tabs one by one, FreshBooks pulls it all together to show you what's going on from a bird's eye view. And its new projects feature will share files and messages with clients, contractors, and employees. If they're already used to communicating with you through FreshBooks, you can use that for so much more than just invoices. It's really amazing how quickly things can get done this way. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com MPU and enter the code MACPOWERUSERS in the How Did You Hear About Us section. We thank FreshBooks for the support of the show and Relay FM. And one of the things that came up on the working from home show was the fact that I'm down to one screen, just my 27 inch screen on my iMac pro now. How's it going? You know, it's, it's going fine. I feel bad saying that because I know a bunch of listeners bought an extra screen because I was talking about how much I liked having two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But you know, the, um, with some of the family stuff and everybody at home, we needed some extra screens. So I kind of donated mine for other parts of the house and uh, so I've been more aggressive about using spaces. I know you're not a big fan of that, but, you know, using the, the four finger swipe up on the trackpad gets me to a list of spaces very easily. I'm in the middle of production on finishing the photos field guide. That's not too far off now. And so I've got a bunch of screens dedicated to that. And this is something we've talked about recently, so I won't go on at great length, but I just keep getting reminded how badly I think Apple has dropped the ball with app management and screen management. It seems to be coming up every week, so I won't. <laughs> is this the new iOS file management problem? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> but it, it, it is um, because there's a solution you can roll your own. And I'm using Keyboard Maestro to script how those screens are set up. And, and okay. that kind of solves some of it for me. But the um, I, So I can kind of get around it with automation. But the um, I'm just not really 
that happy with the way I, I just wish Apple made it easier because the, they they got like three quarters of the way there and then they stopped. Um, but that being said, it, it's working fine, uh, and I uh, I do miss the additional screen. Like as I'm sitting here recording, usually when I'm recording a podcast, I have all sorts of dials and things available to me on my on my additional screens, but it's fine. And you know, you know, poor me, I have to use a 27 inch beautiful <laughs> screen. And, and always, I mean, I got to keep the good one, right? The 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 additional screens never looked as good as this one did. So it's it's just fine. I have also uh, put my dock, made my dock visible again. So I've been like kind of just changing the way I interact with the computer in general, uh, you know, with this change in circumstance. Uh, what did you do with your, like your stream deck, other stuff that was under the displays, your drive that was glued to the back of it? Like I'd imagine you had to change quite a few other things. Not really. I mean, the okay. so the the controversial drive is gaff taped to the boom arm that holds the iMac. So that didn't change at all. One advantage is I got two of my USB-C ports back, um, which was kind of nice. Um, the Stream Deck is underneath. You know, everything is just fine. When I'm in screencast recording mode, I've got extra cables plugged in because I'm always capturing from iPad and iPhone. So I've got a little bit of of stuff under there, but usually I have a very clean underside of my computer and it's, it stayed that way. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got, I got an email from somebody or a note from somebody. When I finished that video, I sent it out to some, some friends in advance. Someone was like, you have a lot of stuff on your desk. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I do. I guess I have knickknacks and stuff everywhere. If I got rid of all this stuff, I could have more room for displays. There you go. You could, and especially 20 year old displays. That's, that's right. Yeah. I got to move the Lego space shuttle, but yeah, that's a really important, (laughs) Aspect no, that of my stays. Desk. Yeah, it's that, my Yoda. That must stay. <laughs> you put in the outline cable length madness. Did you uh, find a solution for me? Not in particular. Uh, so we <laughs> okay. had we we had some feedback about this, and uh, including like this huge chart that someone had sent in about the basically the various lengths of cable against the USB spec. And USB 3.2 Gen 2, which is like the really fast one, the cable is limited to uh, less than or equal to a meter. So yeah. it seems like your dream of having like a, a six foot long, super fast USB cable is probably for naught. Yeah. And, and I've had um, emails from listeners since that we started talking about that. People are, are asking me, I guess they didn't. I was complaining that there's not such a device that, you know, like under my desk, I have a USB hub, you know, you know, traditional USB a size hub where it's got like seven or eight USB plugs in it. And it's got a six foot cable that I can, you know, wire up to the back of my, my iMac. And then underneath I've got all these extra ports and everybody's saying, well, I just need that for USB C. And I guess they didn't understand. No, that's what I was complaining about. There isn't such a thing. So, We've got some work to do. USB-C, I'm glad it's here, but it still has some work to do. Yeah, it does. Uh, I guess this is kind of related to a feedback show, but with everything going on, um, my we've had some changes in circumstances. You know, my uh, my oldest daughter is going to be starting grad school now, and and to my great relief, it's going to be someplace close to my house, so she'll be moving back home, mm-hmm. and I'll be able to see her a lot more. And 
my youngest daughter has now decided she's going, she got accepted and is going to UCLA. Awesome. Where I thought she was going to be going somewhere much further. Right. So, so now that she's only a couple hour card ride away, I'm sure she's going to be spending time home as well. So my wife very pleasantly told me that the days of your studio are about to end. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) no, she didn't really say it that way. I mean, the family's like, Hey, we dad, we got to have rooms and they're my kids. And I'm so happy that they're going to be around. So it's all good. Don't don't make our grown daughter sleep on the couch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Daisy is absolutely right. So the, um, um, so I'm going to be moving studios and I'm sure I'll talk about it on the show in the future, but it, it's not a huge deal. I'm going to be moving to, uh, an area in the downstairs part of our house. And, uh, I don't know how on earth I'm going to get this tool chest down the stairs, Steven. <laughs> oh no. I thought about that when you told me this, I was like, is that going to stay? Is that going to become a dresser for somebody? Because <laughs> you, I mean, that thing is massive. It got up here, but I had a bunch of friends help me. Yeah, now that's uh, not allowed. And, and now I can't. And, you know, so, you know, if, if the MPU show ends, it's because David got crushed by a tool chest taking it downstairs. But otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The room will have more light. I, I'm not sure. We'll have to figure out the audio, but that's something that's happening. The trick is going to be to be above it when you let it down the stairs. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't be between it and gravity is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there's a way I'll, I'll research it and I, I can take the drawers out. I can take the wheels off. I think I can take the top off of it too. I didn't do that when I brought it in. So I, I think I can get the weight down Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know. Daisy and I go to the gym or at least we used to, I think we can probably figure (laughs) this out. If you move this thing around, you don't need a gym anymore. There you go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But the, uh, so that's happening. Uh, Jeff wrote in, he said, um, with the new iPad magic keyboard, are you guys considering, um, setting up something along an iPad desktop setup? And I know Federico does that. He's got an external monitor. Um, I think does Mike, Mike doesn't use an external monitor, does he? No, he uses his iPad in a stand with a split mechanical keyboard. Yeah. So it's, um, so the question is, are the Mac Power users going to be doing in that? Uh, you want to go first on this one? Yeah. So as of this recording, I don't have the new Magic Keyboard in my hands. It's it's delivering in a couple of days. But I don't know how big of a deal that'll be for me. But I have thought about if I were to do this, you know, maybe same with the iPad. I have two desks in here. I've got the, the table that I do my overhead shots in. Like, yeah, maybe I could set like an iPad workstation up there with the Magic Keyboard and, and the iPad Pro. Uh, I really want to see what that's what that's like. To, to this point, I've never really used the iPad in a sort of desktop setup because I just prefer to do my work on the Mac. But the keyboard and even an external mouse or trackpad has really made a lot of my frustrations with iOS, like fiddly tech stuff, go away. And so I'm going to give this Magic Keyboard a real shot at you know maybe doing some admin work stuff. I would I would maybe you know work outside on my MacBook Pro maybe try the iPad in that situation, but I don't see myself like building a, a second desk. That's, you know, iPad centric at this point. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got my hands on the new keyboard yet either, but the reviews are out and the general summary of them is that they're quite heavy, but rock solid, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably the right decision. I mean, if they had been wobbly, but light, that's no, that's no good. Um, Panzerino at TechCrunch, and we'll, we'll link his review. Um, had said that the new iPad 
Pro 12.9 inch plus this keyboard weigh about as much as a MacBook Air. <laughs> so it's it's not a light uh, device. Uh-uh. Uh, but but like I said, I I'm looking forward to it too. I think I kind of already have my own version of an iPad desktop setup in the sense that I've got this great draft table device I've talked about on the show before. It's made by Elevation Lab and it's a really heavy piece of steel with three different height settings on it. And it holds the big or small iPad really well. And it's a solid surface that it's not like a tipsy set of three legs. You're going to balance it on. You put it on a thing. It's not going anywhere. So the general spot for that in my studio, and my heart just sinks a little bit as I say that, um, <laughs> is the center of this um, this tool chest. You know, I have, and if you go online, you'll see pictures of it at the website and also in the forums. But I have a big husky tool chest that I've raked out with all my gear. But I put it at the center of that, and I'll stand up there and write on the iPad, and I've got the pencil attached. I don't even have a keyboard there. Um, I kind of look at it as a big piece of paper you know mm -hmm. and with 12.9 inches you've got a lot and if you use some of these apps you can make it even bigger in essence and then sometimes i will just carry that draft table that elevation lab draft table and i stick it underneath my imac in the center mm -hmm. so you've got my keyboard then i've got a 12.9 inch ipad and then above it i've got the imac screen and that is a great solution and the addition of this mouse support that we've got now plus my weird decision to get a Logitech keyboard and mouse a few months ago have, it's like it all came together for me, Steven, <laughs> <You know? laughs> because this keyboard has three Bluetooth radios in it. I press right. one button on the keyboard and I'm typing on the iPad, press a different button. I'm typing on the iMac, press a different button. I'm typing on the iPhone and the same thing with the mouse the, you actually have to lift the mouse up and turn it over. But there's a button on the bottom side with three Bluetooth radios on the MX uh, master mouse I use. So I can be uh, very quickly using a mouse and keyboard on this iPad as I'm sitting in front of my iMac. And I do this multiple times a day. So I've already kind of got my ideal, you know, iPad desktop and it's part of the rest of my Mac desktop. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are going to be exploring this even with just like something like a magic mouse or a magic trackpad, you know, take the the new keyboard off the table for a second. This does open up more possibility because you're not stuck using your your hands for everything. And I think especially with the 12.9, this could be really compelling. You know, I've got the 11 inch, so it's a, a little bit smaller. The, the big iPad Pro is not for me, but I think a lot of people are going to really be experimenting with the iPad as a laptop or even a desktop a lot more now. Yeah. Well, with, you know, us all stuck at home, I, I was using the 11 inch a lot when I went out, but I'm using the 12.9 inch a lot now mm -hmm. because of that. And I've, it's always been the iPad of my studio, you know, sure. so either whether it's on top of my tool chest or underneath my iMac, but now I'm bringing it downstairs and I bought the, the new magic keyboard. I bought the 12.9 inch one. I didn't buy the 11 inch one. It's, it's a, you know, it's a very expensive keyboard. Like it is, I think I could buy an entry-level iPad for the amount of money I'm paying for yeah. this keyboard. So it, It's expensive. You know, it does work with the 2018 models, and uh, I would imagine Apple will keep the design, you know, hopefully supported for the next several years at least. But yeah. It is It is pricey. Yeah. I hope so. But, I, 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 you know, to answer Jeff's question, I'm pretty happy with my iPad 
desktop setup now. And it, it's really kind of, I'm getting the best of both worlds. So I'm combining it with the Mac at one desk and using it really as a pencil-driven device at the other. Yeah, it's cool. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Setup. Get more than 180 powerful apps for your Mac and try a week for free. There's an app for everything these days. Some are excellent, others not so much. A great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to be successful and productive is by using Setup, a subscription for Mac apps. Setup packs 180 plus apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started. It has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality applications, which means you don't have to spend time searching for great tools. It's such a great value. Instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate app licenses, you pay just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added regularly and updates are free. And all the apps are full-featured pro versions. There's nothing scaled back. It's remarkable how often Setup comes up on the Mac Power users. Just a few weeks ago, we did a whole show on Better Touch Tool. Well, that's part of Setup. Head over to setup.com to try Setup free for a week. If you like it, pay just $9.99 a month for as long as it's useful to you, and it will be. Once again, that's setapp.com to see how it fits in with your workflow. Make sure to use the link in the show notes. That makes us look great, and we appreciate that. And our thanks to Setapp for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I want to talk a little bit about the new iPhone SE. It was announced a couple of weeks ago at this point, but I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on it because I think it's a really interesting, really interesting iPhone. It's great. You know, they came out with an iPhone that's 400 bucks and it's, it's a useful iPhone. It's not like crippled. It is. So it is the iPhone eight body style. In fact, iPhone eight cases will fit it. So it's got a home button. It's got a single camera out the back. It's got the forehead and chin, right? It's, it's the iPhone eight that we've known and loved for quite a long time now. Yeah. But on the inside, it uses the processor from the iPhone 11 uh, the cameras are somewhere in between the 10R and the 11, depending on what exact spec you're looking at, but a better camera than the iPhone 8. And like you said, it starts at 399 unlocked in the US for 64 gigabytes. It's not 32, it's 64. That's the amount of storage you get in any base model iPhone. I think it's a, a great deal. It's probably the best deal in the iPhone lineup at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, if there's someone in your life that you just, they're, going around in an old iPhone six or something and it's, you know, barely hanging on and, you know, they don't want to spend a lot of money or, uh, this gets them a a new iPhone for, like I said, 400 bucks. Uh, the interesting thing for me, well, there's a couple points. One is in my head, the iPhone SE was always the small iPhone. Yeah. This isn't particularly small. (laughs) It's, it's the smallest one on sale. It's that, that stays true. Yeah. I mean, SE, I think, I think the way Apple defines it is, it is the last phone of its kind. So the the original SE was the last of the 5, 5S design. And this is the last phone of the 6, 6S, 7, 8 design. Well, it, it's the value phone, really. Yeah. I think that's what it is more than the cheap. It's still a good phone. And like you said, it's got iPhone 11 guts. Your processor is going to be fine. Um, uh, the interesting question for the listeners and for people interested in this is where where is that point? Where do you say it's worth paying the extra for? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's all about camera systems. I am such a fan of the iPhone 11 Pro camera series. 
I just, I continue to be amazed by it, that it was worth the extra money for me. But I, I think camera is a big, is a big distinguishing point between this phone and some of the other iPhones available. Yeah, I think so. You know, if you look at what else is available, it's the SE, the 10R, and the 11 and the 11 Pro. And the 11 Pro in particular has such a big jump. Even the 11 has the the wide angle. This still just has the sort of the regular camera lens, not that ultra wide. Yeah. But I think you're right. This phone is for people who are using an iPhone 6 or 6S. And there's a lot of those out there still. And this gets them into a phone that works the same way, right? It's got Touch ID. It looks the same. If you have an 8, it even fits the same accessories, same cases. And I think that's... um I think that's really who this is for. So like, so like in my family, I have a parent who's still using an iPhone 6S and they're going to be getting Mary's 8 and Mary's going to get the SE. She she does want a better camera, but she does not want a bigger phone. This is yeah. the, the size of the iPhone 8. So it's big compared to the the you know the old SE or the 5S, but it's still smaller than the 10R or the 11. And so it is the small phone now. She doesn't want anything bigger. She doesn't want Face ID. And so this, I feel comfortable she'll get many years of, of good use out of because of its internals being updated all the way to match the 11 and 11 pro. Yeah. Are you having second thoughts about face ID now that we're wearing face masks? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hitting my passcode a lot more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not too. going out that much, but I went out the other day and uh, yeah, that was a, a bit of a bummer. And Mary was like, Oh yeah, my still works. Like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, no one could have foreseen that uh, when they were designing face ID, you know, years and years ago, but um, I think this phone will do really well, and I expect that it will, because it's got the the iPhone 11 internals, it's going to run great for years and years. Like, yeah. the old iPhone SE was a 6S inside, so really until, I would argue, this year, it's held up pretty well, too. And a lot of people kept it because they loved the 4-inch form factor, but unfortunately, that ship has sailed. And if you want sort of the value phone now... Uh, you're going to be moving up to that 4.7 inch display. Agreed. But with a new battery and with iPhone 11 guts, yeah. you you're going to get many years out of that phone. Absolutely. It's going to it's going to age really well and uh I'm excited Mary's gets here this week. Uh she got the product red one. Um I think I think that's going to look spectacular, so Yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to checking this out and and uh really interested in seeing how how well this does cuz I think a lot of people I've been waiting for a phone like this. I feel like just in general, Apple has done a, a good job of fixing the low end of the line in the last year or so. I mean, the, the you know, we've got iPads that are very affordable, that mm -hmm. are very powerful. Now we've got an iPhone that I think falls in that category as well. And then the MacBook Air now is something we can recommend. So yeah. for a while, the low end was suffering and, and now it's not good on Apple. Definitely. Uh, what are you playing with this month, Stephen? Uh, well, I talked uh, about the teleprompter uh, before this, and I will continue to uh, tweak that setup and adjust to it, I think, over time. Um, but it came with, or didn't come with, but a, a byproduct of this was I picked up a refurbished iPad mini. So I, you could put a bigger iPad in that thing, but Quinn had said if you get the mini, it's even narrower, right? So you don't have that, the eye tracking issue. And so I picked up uh, an iPad mini and I had re uh, initially just set it up with the prompter stuff. But then John Voorhees over at Mac Stories wrote this article about how he has found room for the iPad mini again 
sort of in his work. And, and I thought that was really interesting. So I put some apps on the iPad mini and, uh, I gotta say it's, um, it's a fun little tablet to use around the house. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one too. It's, this is an old one. It was my daughter's that she just stopped using and I was going to sell it. And I realized that it was worth almost nothing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, uh, I put it in my bedside table and I put some apps on it and I use it for reading at night and some things like that. But if I do a teleprompting, maybe I'll be using it for that as well. Uh, where do you find it most useful? I like the the reading and the like light web stuff in the evening. Yeah. Like I said a second ago, I got the 11 inch Pro, but even that is like kind of too big. If you're going to read in bed, the 11 is still pretty big. And so like I've got Instapaper on it, you know, doing some browsing, RSS reading, uh, maybe some Twitter and stuff in the evening. It's not great for watching video. You know, the speakers are way worse than the Pro. The display's uh, not very big. It's really, the display's not that much smaller with 16 by 9 video than my iPhone 11 Pro. (laughs) You you put them over each other in 16 by 9 video, it's pretty close. Uh, But as far as reading and some light web stuff, um, I I think it's pretty good. I don't think it'd be something where I hook a Bluetooth keyboard up to it and use it for work, use it for writing or anything. But it is kind of nice to have something, you know, that if I wanted to read and, and I'm a big Kindle user, but if I weren't, I could totally see this taking over even my, my reading. Something about the iPad mini that I've kind of, since I've been using this one is I really love the portrait typing on the iPad mini where you can, you yeah, can actually great. thumb type on it. And mm-hmm. even the 11 inch iPad pro, it, it's just a little difficult, you know, with the iPad mini it's a perfect size for thumb typing. So I, I will bang out quick messages on it. But like you, I I can't imagine myself attaching it to a keyboard. Mm -mm. Um, But that's been fun to sort of uh, re-explore the the iPad mini a little bit. Uh, The other thing, and this was also some some feedback uh, from somebody who had wanted us to talk about remote Mac supports, like how to fix something on someone's Mac when you can't go visit them. And this has come up for me with several of my customers and friends over the last month or so. And I've been doing it over iMessage. So if you're on iMessage on the Mac, you can request to share someone's screen and they allow it and then you can observe or control. And I found that to be uh, to be really useful, you know, to maybe to be on a FaceTime call with somebody and then remote into their Mac via iMessage to, you know, fix something or format a time machine drive or, or whatever it is. I like it because it's built in. You know, don't have to tell somebody, hey, go download this thing and go to this weird link I emailed you and download this installer and, you know, give it permission. That's all built in and works really well is is a big plus if you're trying to do remote support. Um, so if you haven't checked out that iMessage feature on the Mac, uh, I think it's worthwhile if you end up in a situation where you need to remote into uh, someone's Mac. It doesn't work for a headless Mac. Like you can't remote into your Mac mini server, for instance, because it requires a person on the other end to approve it. But if you're helping a family member or a friend or somebody, uh, I think it's a lot more seamless for them than a bunch of the other services out there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, It's kind of on a theme. I, this month, spent uh, some time looking into my bookmarking and read it later workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, I had used apps like, you know, um, you know, the various, whether well, it's Pocket and there was, yeah, was Instapaper. Was, Instapaper. All and I found that I just, was loading way too much stuff in those those services and 
Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't really work out for me. So I, I eventually just went with Apple's service. You know, what is it? Uh, how come I'm forgetting the name? Reading list. Reading list. Yeah, reading list. Yeah. So because it's got integration into Safari everywhere. So it's very easy to add an article or something you find on the web to your reading list. Um, but I found I was getting bloat in there too. And, you know, I, I just spent some time thinking about it with me being home all the time. Now, you know, what is it? You know, what am I really looking for? in a read it later service. And, you know, I'm looking, there's two things. There's, there's the immediate stuff, the stuff that I see that I want to read in the next, you know, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff kind of like reference material or stuff that like, let's just imagine I've got a curated book of nerdy slash productivity slash music topics that I only I'm interested in. Okay. And so I've decided, well, I want to do something like that. And, you know, how? what's the best way to do that? So I wanted something that's both available for immediate consumption. Like, for instance, you published, I saw in my feed that you published the um, the video with the monitors. Well, I'm going to mm-hmm. write a blog post about that at Max Sparky. So I want to have access to that post. So for the short-term stuff, I'm sticking with reading lists because I still think it's just the easiest way to go to. It's, it's almost zero resistance to getting something saved to reading list and you can find it anywhere. But for the stuff I want to read, uh, you know, have as more of reference material, I looked at a bunch of the services. I looked at going back to some of the Read It Later services, and ultimately I decided on Raindrop.io. Okay. Uh, I heard about that first from Federico. I know he uses it. And um, it's, just a, it's just a really great service. You know, you go in there, and it's kind of like a, it saves web articles for you, and it'll archive them for you. I ended up subscribing. And you can categorize everything with multiple layers of categorization. So I've got, you know, the Max Sparky stuff, I've got it broken down into things about stuff I want to learn about and stuff I want to read. And then I've also got stuff about health and I've got stuff about video games and stuff about dog training and playing the sack. So I've got all these various areas that I capture things into as I discover them. And when I sit down at night with that little iPad mini, I can just go into Raindrop and pick a category and read in it. And it's working out really well. Yeah, I have not checked Raindrop out, but uh, I definitely have the same problem you do where I will fill up Instapaper and then go in there and it's like overwhelming. And I've tried Safari reading list and something about it. I just want this in a separate place. I feel like if it's in Safari, I tend to forget about them and Instapaper's on my home screen. Like, oh yeah, maybe I say something I want to read tonight. So uh, that's a little bit different for me, but uh, I know Federico and others really like Raindrop, so I'm glad that it's, uh, glad to hear it's working for you. Well, the, the thing I like about it is it's organization. You know, mm-hmm. you, can very, you can organize it to a high degree of granularity. So do, you know, you just nested folders. So you can go yeah. as deep down there as you want. And they have bookmarks, easy sharing on iOS and Mac. So you're on a website, you push a couple buttons, and it saves the article for you. So I like that. And then the other thing is, I think, kind of a mental change. Because it's not a read-it-later service, it's really just an archive service. I don't think that I have to be a completionist. Not everything that's in there I'm ever going to read. Sure. But it's available to me. And sometimes when I sit down to read out of it, I may may read one and keep it because I think it's so good. I may want to have it in the future or I may see something say, oh, you know, I'm never going to read that and delete it then. But I don't have that underlying kind of angst that you get with some of these services. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I've been really happy with that and that solved the problem for me. Cool. All right. Um, well, another feedback show in the can. 
uh, let us know what you're thinking in the forums. I'm sure there's going to be more feedback on working from home. Everybody, it's such a big experiment. A lot of people are learning about it now and coming up with good ideas. We'd love to hear what you think. If you have the outdoor cam solution, I think that would be the place to tell us. Somebody's going to come up with the right solution, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, or at least Apple's going to fix this stuff at some point. But either way, go to the forums. We'd love to hear from you about all this stuff. Uh, we are the Mac Power users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find the forum at talk.macpowerusers.com. I want to thank our sponsors for today, SaneBox, OmniFocus, FreshBooks, and SetApp. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>